Well, we're going to turn to God's Word now, and so if you have your Bible, can I ask you to turn there? And boys and girls, I'm going to speak to you in just a few moments. We're going to read the Bible together, and then I'm going to go down and talk to you. And I would encourage you, boys and girls, if you have a Bible, um, get mum or dad or granny and granda, whoever you're, you're with, to, to find the passage. It's Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read just a short bit from verse 27 to 32 this morning. And maybe, maybe in your reading group at school, you're doing different books. Maybe you could say, look, can we, can we try and read some bits of the Bible in our reading group? Or say to your friends, look, let's even practice our reading by reading the Bible. We're going to read Luke 5, 27 to 32 today. This is God's word. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Our gracious God, we thank you for those words that we've been listening to sung so beautifully. And we thank you that they're not just nice words and sweet lyrics and a catchy tune, but we thank you that there's great truth there. Father, we profess to be people who stand in your word, the Bible, that we are not those who are going to be taken aside by any, any wind of, of wisdom or sweet words or something that's a platitude or a philosophy. We want to stand in your word. We say that we are people of the book, that it's there that we have met Jesus. And we thank you that this Jesus calls us a friend when we come in repentance and in faith. That we are not outsiders looking in, but we are brought right into the family. Father, we ask that you might use us to be able to speak a word of this gospel in the situations and the places that you've planted us. Father, just thank you for the missionary weekend that's coming up in this church with Claire, with those from SU. Father, we thank you that your gospel has went out to the far-flung corners of this world. And Father, we want to pray for those who are unreached, that they would hear the gospel. We know it says in the book of Acts that now your command is that all people everywhere would repent and trust in Jesus. They are without excuse. And Father, we ask that your gospel would go out and that many would be brought in. And yet, our Father, we ask that you would use us here in Ulster. We ask that you would use us in this country, which has been so blessed by you for hundreds of years. And we ask that you would use us to be able to say a word in the office or the factory floor. We ask that you would use us in the classroom. We pray, Father, that you would use us in the playground and the sports field. We ask, Father, that you would use us in the field or wherever we might be to take a stand for you. We find it so difficult to, to profess to be Christians when we live in this world which is opposed to you. 
we're, we're feeling this draw to the things of the world that we want to fit in, that we want to, to not even stand out. But Father, we ask that we would stand out for Jesus, that we would be really upfront and clear of who we are, that we wouldn't try to forget that we're your people. And we ask that we would have a boldness. Give us, Lord, that gentleness and that wisdom that only comes from you. But please help us to speak for you. And Lord, we ask that you would bless that and that you would bring many people into your kingdom. Father, pray for those who are in need here this morning. Lord, for those who are going through difficulty and trial and hardship, we thank you that you're a friend to them and that you draw near. For those who are watching online who would love to be with us but can't be, Father, we thank you that they can call to you and know your grace, a sufficient grace, in each and every moment. And Father, as we meet here this morning, as we gather around your word, we ask that this would be our map, that we wouldn't go off course, but that we would stay on track and that we would come to Jesus and trust in him. So just help us now, Lord, for these few moments that we have to open it up and think about it together. We pray your eternal blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bible, can I encourage you to open it up uh, to Luke chapter 5? And we want to think about this uh, passage this morning, just a short passage, and uh, a passage that has a lot in it. I wonder if you ever felt excluded. You can maybe remember back to being in the playground and it came to picking teams, you know, picking football teams or picking hockey teams or picking rugby teams and Normally there's two captains and they start off the picking and then, you know, it's one pick after another and if you've any sense, you pick the best players first and you know that feeling, I've experienced it myself, where you're one of the ones left, maybe even to the very end and you think, nobody wants me in their team. Or maybe you're in the office and the chat's going about, about what happened at the weekend and people are saying all the things they were up to and they're, they're showing photographs of where they've been and you think to yourself, well, they're not going to want to hear that I was in Bucknell Presbyterian Church on a Sunday morning and evening. That's not going to fit in with this conversation. And you just feel a little bit excluded. Or maybe it's at a family gathering and, and you feel, well, I, I feel like an outsider here. Or maybe even going to church. I'm in churches regularly, all the time, every week, in fact. But have you ever experienced that where you go to church, maybe from a different church, and you think just as you walk in the door, what's going to happen here? I mean, I don't know where to sit. Am I going to sit in somebody's seat? And then maybe it's a, a different denomination, like Church of Ireland, and you're thinking to yourself, like, when do you stand? When do you sit? You know, do you have to kneel? Or, you know, it's, it's all that little bit different. And you just feel like such an outsider. The welcome from a pulpit's really important because I've sat in churches many times and the welcome from the front has just kind of relaxed me. Many times down in Moore and I'd be talking to visitors to the church, speaking to them outside the service and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I, I preached a, a good sermon there that day. They're, they're bound to say something about it. And invariably what they would say to me is we got such a warm welcome at your church. The thing we noticed about your church is people welcomed us. A welcome to a church at the door, in the pew, just reaching over to the, the, the person in front of you and saying, glad to see you. And just leave it at that. Makes all the difference. Because so often you can feel like an outsider. You can feel excluded, not part of things. And that mindset, well, you can even carry it over to when you're thinking about God. There's many people think, well, God would want nothing to do with me. Many people are brought up 
connected with church. And yet they're thinking to themselves, after all the things I've done, after all the things I've been involved in, after all the mistakes I've made, and I know them, and a pile of other people want them, or a pile of other people know them, and God must know them, so he would not want anything to do with me. I mean, sure, I'll turn up and I'll sit there, and maybe, just maybe, my good light way, my bad, and things will work out okay, but God really wouldn't want anything to do with me. Maybe you are a Christian, and you made a profession of faith. Maybe as a child, And then you grew up and you made bad choices, sinful choices that stick with you. And the consequences of those choices stick with you. And you think to yourself, well, like, why would I pray? I mean, God's going to want to keep a distance from me. I'm not the kind of person that God wants to listen to. I'm the kind of person that God would hold all my mistakes against me. And I'm an outsider just looking and I'm not good enough for God. And our background, our prospects, our reputation, we carry all those things with us. And so often we say, I'm excluded. I'm an outsider here. Now just take that thought and carry it with you when you come into Luke chapter 5. Because being an outsider, being excluded, is one of the themes that seems to run through Luke chapter 5. And Luke's gospel, the big theme in Luke's gospel is Jesus is calling people to repentance and to faith. A change of mind, a change of direction, a change of life. That's what repentance means. And in Luke's gospel, there are really two types of people. There are those who repent of their sin and trust in Jesus. And there are those that don't think they need to repent. And then if we narrow it, not just to Luke's gospel, but to Luke chapter 5, we meet a number of people. Just look at your passage there. Just look at that story, the first story that we read in Luke's gospel chapter 5. And we read about Peter. And Jesus does this amazing miracle. And Peter has had so little confidence and so little trust in Jesus. And what does he say? Whenever Jesus does this miracle, Peter immediately feels shut out. He says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Peter immediately says, you know, because of my sin, Jesus, because of my lack of trust and my lack of confidence and my lack of faith in you, we should be separated. Depart from me. Let there be a distance between us. But what does Jesus say? Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. Okay, that's the first Greek story. And then the next story, a leper comes to Jesus. Now, I mean, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, a leper. I mean, they thought leprosy in those days was passed on by human contact. Whenever this man was making his way around the countryside, he'd had a bell. And that bell was to warn people, keep your distance. Keep away from this man. This man has to be excluded from society. He's to be out there and we're all to be together. But he's not to be part of it. But what does Jesus do with this man who's excluded? This man that people thought was under God's judgment. Jesus calls him to himself. and Jesus saves that man. Then the next story, there's this paralyzed man. Well, this man's excluded. I mean, he's not going to be running around playing hopscotch in the playground. And this is a man that's not going to have a family. He's not going to be, you know, in a job because he cannot physically walk. He is excluded from so much. But what happens? Jesus saves that man and Jesus heals that man. And all the way through this story, we're finding that Jesus is bringing people into the kingdom. He's bringing people into his family. He's bringing people into friendship with himself. And then the story that we're interested in, we're really interested in, verse 27. And there's three things I want to tell you about this story. We want to notice, we want to notice Jesus' choice. 
We want to notice Levi's response. And then we want to understand and see this new meaning that Jesus gives to the whole scene. First of all, let's think of Jesus' choice here. Verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector. HMRC. Nobody likes the tax man. Well, this tax collector, we're told his name. His name's Levi. And he's sitting at his tax booth. Now, what do we know about tax collectors? Well, if you've been going to church any length of time, you know that tax collectors were the ones that skimmed off the top. In Luke chapter 3, there were these tax collectors come up to Jesus, and they come up to Jesus to be baptized, and Jesus said some pretty cutting things to them. I mean, Jesus gave them both barrels. He said, verse 12 of chapter 3, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And Jesus just said, eyeball to eyeball, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Collect no more than you're authorized to do. So what do we know about tax collectors? Tax collectors took more money than they were authorized to do. And this man, Levi, he's at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum's on the trade route, north to south. So whenever people are moving north, he's taking money off the top. When people are moving south, he's taking money off the top. But there's more here. Not just is this man working for the government. Not just is this man unpopular. Not just is this man stealing. But this man's stealing from his own people. And we know that because his name is Levi. Do you remember way back in the book of Genesis? We had Jacob. God's promises came through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob had all those sons. And Jacob's first wife was Leah. And with Leah he had Reuben and Simeon and Levi. And so this tax collector, well, he's a Jew. He's come from that family. Whenever they were picking a name for their son, I mean, they picked a name that was a biblical name that was an Old Testament name. They picked him that was a priestly name because they wanted this boy to grow up and trust in God. They wanted God to take God's promises and hide them in his heart. But Levi didn't take God's promises and hide them in his heart. Levi took Caesar's coin and hid that in his pocket. This is the man that we meet here. Everybody would have looked at Levi and said, you've betrayed your own people. You're one of us. You're from the same stuff as us and you've betrayed us and you've betrayed us with the Romans. That's who you're working for. That's who you're getting rich off. And Jesus knew that. And then there's more. Where's Levi sitting? We're told that whenever Jesus calls Levi, verse 27, he is sitting at his tax booth. Can you just imagine it? You know what it's like? Maybe you're, you're driving along the road and Somebody cuts in a wee bit in front of you and you're on the horn and you're flashing the lights and then you overtake them and you're just waving your fist at them and then you look around and say, I know that person and they know me and they've recognized me and you just, you just want to like die inside. Well, there's Levi. He must have heard the gospel before. He must have heard Jesus preaching before. And he's sitting at his tax booth. He's sitting in the middle of his sin and he's caught red-handed. And Jesus calls him. This is who Jesus calls. Jesus calls to leave at you. I know you're a sinner and I know you're in the middle of your sin, but I want you to follow me. I want you to turn from your sin and I want you to be one of my disciples. Isn't Levi's call extraordinary? The worrying thing for me and maybe the worrying thing for you is that you don't think your call's extraordinary. 
Sure, we can identify Levi and all the, his list of wrongs and all the things that he got wrong, and he's caught in his sin. But then I look at myself and think, well, you know, compared to Levi, I'm not too bad. I mean, I wasn't involved in the things that he was involved in, but I have to understand that my call to follow Jesus is just as extraordinary. I maybe wasn't caught at a tax booth, but I've certainly been caught with the desires of my heart and the lust of my eyes. I maybe wasn't caught the same way that Levi was caught, but I've been caught in my sin when Jesus called me. And I have to stand back and I have to just say this gospel that Jesus speaks, this gospel speaks to people who are found in their sin, found in their mess and in their dirt and in their filth. And Jesus speaks to people and Jesus calls them. And that's all of us. That's not just a few, that's all of us. And that's the people that Jesus calls. When I was talking to the boys and girls and I was talking about Niagara Falls, maybe some of you have been to Niagara Falls. You know, some of those, those great places that you've got to go to, the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, you know those places you stand and look at and you just go, wow. You just take your breath away. That's the gospel. You're supposed to stand and go, wow. That takes my breath away that he would call me. And the great fear that we should have is that we get caught up in, under th in other things. We get caught up maybe in fellowship and friendship and all the benefits that are given to us through the gospel. And they're great things. And I don't want to poo-poo those things in any way. But the primary interest and primary affection and primary love that we're to have is for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And him and his gospel should take our breath away. And you know what happens when you, that stops taking your breath away? You just drift off. Church becomes a chore. Reading the Bible becomes a bore. And it's adios, I'll see you next Christmas. And Jesus here makes this extraordinary choice. He calls Levi. And Jesus Christ would also call you. Here's a second amazing thing in this passage, extraordinary thing. Levi's response. Do you ever go to the careers advisor? Maybe you didn't need to go to the careers advisor. Maybe when you were knee-high to a grasshopper, you knew you were going to be a farmer. That was the only thing you were interested in. You know, you didn't go to school very many days. You say, what's the point? I'm going to farm. If I need a hand at the farm, I'm going, to, I'm going to be there. And maybe you grew up and you didn't know what you were going to do. I remember going to a careers advisor, and I do not know what we talked about. I probably said I wanted to present match of the day or something, you know, something realistic like that, you know. But you go to the careers advisor, and invariably they're going to say to you, you know, go to university, you know, get a trade, do something that there's going to be a job at the end of it. Maybe you're a parent and you're advising your children. I mean, what advice are you giving to them? Do something where there's a job at the end of it. You know, don't do basket weaving or something, but do something where there's going to be, you know, pounds, shilling and pence coming in through the door after this time of studying. Well, what about Levi's career's advice? What would people have said to him whenever he heard the call of Jesus Christ? Just look at that verse 28. Jesus calls to Levi. Levi will have heard the gospel before, but he didn't respond to the gospel before. He had heard this call of Jesus, this message of repentance and faith, and he hadn't done it. And Jesus says, you follow me. And what are we told in verse 28? And leaving everything, he rose. And leaving everything, he rose. He walked away from his security. He walked away from his job. He walked away from his money. He walked away from all he knew. But the call of Jesus means there's some things that you have to give up. Now, you know and I know that whenever you profess faith in Jesus Christ, there are some things that are really easy to give up. 
There's some things that are dead easy to give up, and there's other things that are really difficult to give up. You maybe say, look, whenever I became a Christian, the bad language cleared up. I used to you know, talk like a sailor, and now I'm able to control it. But maybe your temper's not as easy to control. Maybe when you became a Christian, you'd say, well, look, I used to drink all the time, and now I just stopped that. But maybe texting that person, giving that up is not just as easy. Because being a Christian means that there's a change, not just in your thinking. It's not just a change that Jesus brings in your heart. It's a change in your life. And there's some things that you have to say goodbye to, and there's some things you have to walk into. And there's some things that are easy, and there's some things that are difficult. And Levi is a great example for us here. Because when Levi hears the call to follow Jesus, it says, and leaving everything... He rose. Whenever you come to faith in Jesus, it's a wee bit like an auction takes place. You ever been to an auction? I remember going to the, the, the livestock market and Cully Bagney when it was there, my granddad, and the only advice I was given was, don't put up your hand under any circumstances or you'll think you're bidding on something. So I remember going to the auction there, you know, the, the cattle market, and just standing there. Because you want to bid on something. And you think about it whenever you become a Christian, there's an auction. And the things that are going to be auctioned off are your attitudes and your desires and your talents and your energy and your money and your relationship and your WhatsApp group chats and what you look at on the internet. All of that is up for auction. And then you start bidding and you say, no, I want to hold on to that. No, no, I want to hold on to that too. But Jesus Christ comes along and he says, look, I'm going to give top bid for everything because there's nobody going to pay more for it than me. I want it all. I've paid for it all. And I want it all for me and for my kingdom. And we really struggle with that, don't we? We really struggle with that. We really struggle to think that Jesus Christ wants control over our life. And sometimes we even look back at what we had before. And we look back enviously. There's a, there's a very subtle thing happens in this passage that I want to point out to you. Just look at that verse 29. This is where Levi really stands out. Jesus calls Levi, and Levi's in his sin. He's at his tax booth. Whenever Levi hears the call of Jesus, it says he immediately left everything, and he followed him. And then look at verse 29. And Levi made a great feast in his house. Why would you have a feast? I mean, I was listening to the announcements, and Alan was talking about this meal, and, you know, it was 20 pound for a steak. You're not going to get a steak for 20 pound in too many places. Sign me up. Um... But you're going to have a feast. You're going to have a celebration. And that's a good time. But what's Levi celebrating? I mean, seriously, what's he celebrating? I mean, what's this feast for? Well, the feast is because he's repented of his sin and he's trusted in Jesus. And he's now following Jesus. And he's really happy about that. <laughs> he's really happy about that. Are you happy at all the things that you give up whenever you become a Christian? Were you delighted at those things and those relationships that you turned your back on? Were you delighted when you stopped manipulating your tax return and you said, I'm a Christian now and now I just have to be straight with people? Because being a Christian means coming into this new relationship with Jesus Christ and it should bring about a great celebration. And Levi's delighted that he's called in repentance and faith. But so often that's not me and maybe that's not you. Maybe you look back in the life that you left behind and you think to yourself, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't be at church on Sunday. You know, all these people who are dressed up, you know, be out on a Saturday night and it could be like the rich kids of Instagram. All the things that they're doing and I'm not doing. All the things that they're doing and I'm missing out on. The life that I could have had and I don't have because I'm caught into this turning up at church in a Sunday life and reading my Bible and praying life. But I'm missing out on this really good life. And there's so many people think that. But Levi didn't think that. 
He had a great feast because being called into Jesus' family. Levi looked at the life that he was leaving behind and he looked at the life that he was stepping into and he didn't think he missed out on anything. And I wonder what you think. I wonder, do you rejoice at the changes that Jesus wants to make in your life? I wonder, do you rejoice at what you've gained instead of crying over what you've lost? Because whenever Jesus calls you, Jesus calls you into something greater, something spectacular, something better than what you've left behind. And Levi gets that because when he hears the calls of Jesus, he celebrates it. There's an incredible choice here. There's an amazing response here. And here's the third thing. We're given a new meaning here. We're told here in verse 30 what Jesus has come to do. Just look at it with me. This is their third thing we want to note. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It's almost as if they're saying, look, you need to pay your taxes, fair enough, but you don't have to like those people. I mean, you don't need to speak to them. I mean, just pay it and walk on, spit in front of them, you must do, but certainly don't have a meal with them. And that's what these religious people say. They say, see that man there, that Levi man, see him and all his mates? You want to stay away from those people? They're not the kind of people you want to be with Jesus. You need to exclude them, get away from them, keep them out and stick with the good religious people like us, Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Verse 31. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Who did Jesus come to call? The middle class? The sons and daughters of Ulster? Did Jesus just come to call people that we get on with? Did Jesus just come to call people who have the same aspirations as us? No, Jesus Christ came to call all people. He came to call people who are like us and he came to call people who are not like us at all. He came to call people who have your background and he came to call people from a totally different background. Jesus came to call people who were sick. You know what it's like when you phone up the doctor. Maybe this day of the internet, you go to the doctor. I've done this myself. I go to the doctor and I say, doctor, I was reading up on Google. I was on netdoctor.com and I need an operation. I literally said that to the doctor once and he looked at me and he gave me a few um, antibiotics and sent me on my way because I came to the doctor and I thought, I could tell the doctor what I needed. But Jesus says, you have to understand how sick you are. If you're to be a Christian, you have to understand how sick you are. Because there's two types of people, says Jesus. There are those that don't think they need a doctor and those who know they need a doctor. And Jesus says, I have come to call sinners. There's some people that think, well, look, this Christianity, this being saved, this following Jesus, that's not for me. I'm a good person. I attend church. Jesus uses the phrase here and he talks about righteous people. Now it's not the righteousness that you've been given in Christ. It's a righteousness that you think you have. And Jesus says those people who are right in their own eyes, those people who see themselves as healthy, those people who see themselves as not too bad, they're going to be excluded. And they're not going to be excluded because Jesus excludes them. They're going to be excluded because they exclude themselves because they're going to say, I do not need this Jesus. And Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Do you see yourself as a dirty, rotten sinner? Do you see yourself as spiritually sick and you desperately need Jesus? Because Jesus has come to call people, but there's some people who will exclude themselves because they'll say, I'm 
not too bad. Jesus didn't come for me. Let me tell you a true story and then I'm finished. So send the boys and girls last week I was in Canada. I was preaching from Toronto up to Quebec. And last weekend it was in Montreal. And I was doing a wee bit of work in this. It's a wee bit like the fair hell only bigger. The shopping centre in Montreal. And it was called Complex des Jardins. So I'm sitting in this complex at the, the food hall. Just sitting at this long table. You know, working my laptop and, and eating a wee bit. And I'm just looking out and there's this homeless man. Clearly a beggar. And he's sitting at the table in front of me and he's, all he has is this bottle. I don't know where he got the water from, it's just a bottle in front of him. And every few minutes he's kind of drifting off to sleep and they come up and the security guard just knocks the table as if to say, you wake up because if you fall asleep, you're out. You wake up because if you fall asleep, you're out. You're going to be excluded. So I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And all of a sudden I feel this tap on my shoulder. Un dollar pour manger quelque chose, monsieur. So I turned around. The first, now, the first thing that I noticed, the first thing that I noticed was the smell. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely stinking. And there right in front of me is this young fella, a beggar, a homeless man. And he just starts talking, and he's talking in French. I mean, it's just... Flat out in the French, and I just said, Je ne comprends pas what I knew most of all from French. I do not understand. Uh, I said to him, Do you speak English? Parlez-vous anglais? And then he started, he stopped. And this young fella, I'm like, he was standing right in front of me. And the smell, I'm telling you, the smell was something else. I mean, it wasn't just that he was unclean, he was stinking. And he said to me, Will you give me a dollar? I said, What's your name? He said, my name's Yanni. I says, what age are you? He said, I'm 33. And as I looked at that fella, he was a good looking fella. Now, don't worry about me. But I, whenever I looked at that fella, I just said to myself, you know, like, that's a good looking fella. He's thick brown hair. He's a thick beard. He's really thin. And I just looked at the fella. It was kind of funny. You know when you don't speak the language, you start doing it in a French accent? Well, that's why I started speaking English, you know, talking to him, putting this wee accent on him before I caught myself on. I said to him, what happened to you? I said, you're 33 years of age and you're a beggar in the streets. What has happened to you? He said, I had to move out of my flat. I've no money. I said, do you drink? He said, no, I don't drink. I said, do you, do you take drugs? He said, I smoke some weed. I said, what's going to happen to you in life? Where's your family? I mean, this fella's just looking at me, and he's standing there. And he, it was like a scene if you're standing before the headmaster. You're just standing there, you know, your arms beside yourself, just crawled in on yourself. And this kind of tall, thin, good-looking fella is just standing at me, telling me about his life, this broken, stinking beggar. And I said, what about your parents? You're going around a shopping center asking people for money. What about your parents? Where's your mum and your dad? Didn't say a word. I said, do you not have any friends? Does nobody care for you? Then I said, there's no churches around here would help you. So nobody would help you. And then he said to me, I've, I've schizophrenia. I said, do you go to your doctor? He says, yeah, I go to my doctor. I said, do you take your medication? He says, I take my medication. I said, I'm going to pray with you. 
and I grabbed hold of his hand. I don't know how many people took his hand. Shaking his hand was like, you know when you've worked in the bottom of a car or tractor and there's oil everywhere and you just feel that grease? Well, that's what shaking this fellow's hand was like. And I just set him in the seat beside me. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he just was stunned. He just sitting in that seat and put my hand on him. I'm thinking to myself, what's going to happen next? This is a schizophrenic beggar in the streets of Montreal that I don't know, and I'm going to close my eyes. So I closed my eyes and just prayed with him. I said, Jesus, as many times as I thought would get it into his ear, and I said, Jesus, you need to help this fella, and you need to get him out of this mess. And then I said, amen. I said, Yanni, what's going to happen to you? What's the future for you? You're 33. You've 40 years in front of you. What are you going to do with your life? You need to get out of this mess of life. You need to get off the streets and you need to get out of this mess. It says, is there nobody going to help you? And the fellow just stood there and he said, nothing. I reached into my bag. I had a wee bit of food with me in a plastic bag. I lifted it out of the bag and gave it to him. And he just took it and he fled. And I thought about that. What a life. What are his prospects? What's going to happen to you living in the streets? Where's he, where's he going to be this time next year? And then as we're preparing this sermon in Luke chapter 5, you know what I thought? That's me. That's me. I'm a dirty, stinking beggar with no prospects, with no hope, with no love. And I come before a holy God. And what should happen? is that that God should exclude me. And he should say, you're a stench in my nostrils because you're sin and you should be sent far from me. And that's what he should say to you as well. Because you are a beggar in the very same way that fellow Yanni was. Spiritually, you're bankrupt and you have no hope. But you come before God. You come before God. And he says, not only will I clean you up, I'll totally change you. I'll bring you into my family. I'll save you. I'll give you new clothes. I'll give you clean clothes. And I'll change you. Do you realize you're a beggar? Do you know how bankrupt spiritually you are? And do you understand the glory of the gospel that Jesus Christ would call us who should be excluded and he would include us in his family? Let's bow our head and let's pray together. Father, we thank you that when Jesus walked around the Holy Land, the land of Israel, he called the most surprising people. Jesus' choice was not the choice that we would have made. He called people like Levi, a tax collector sitting in his tax booth. And yet, Father, we thank you that the gospel is so incredible that Jesus Christ would call us. Father, we ask that this gospel would not just be words in our ears, but this would penetrate into our hearts, that we would delight in this gospel and that we would trust in Jesus as our Savior and King. I thank you for all these people who have come out to church this morning. I thank you that there's an awful lot of them that are saved and loved you and see themselves as spiritually sick and they see Jesus as the great doctor. I pray that their love and trust in Jesus would grow. But Father, there's a few here this morning who see themselves as righteous and have not called on Jesus because they don't think they need a doctor. And so I would ask that today would be the day that they would see themselves in spiritual poverty and they would come to Jesus in repentance and in faith. And Lord, we pray this for your glory. Amen.